I don't know what your preferred way of marking Remembrance Sunday is. I suspect it probably doesn't involve anything to do with lockdowns, but be that as it may, it strikes me that it's increasingly hard for successive generations to, to mark well the tragedy of two world wars. I guess it, it felt a little bit easier when we had parents and grandparents around who were directly involved, who could remind us of the stakes and the price that was paid. But perhaps, arguably, that's all the more reason that we deliberately set aside a day, one day a year, to actually remember. And if nothing else, that the state of politics around the world at the moment should be a salutary warning that actually we don't want to develop a collective amnesia about some of our past and, and the ways in which we found ourselves confronting life-changing upheavals. It's good and it's important to remember. Interestingly, I think our, our act of remembrance has generally widened beyond recalling the end of World War I and the lives lost in that conflict and subsequent conflicts. We, we now tend to bring to mind personal losses, uh, the loss of, of loved ones, people who have died, and the hole that their absence continues to leave in our lives. And, and this year, I suspect, with the whole backdrop of COVID, there may be an added poignancy to all this remembering as we continue to feel keenly all that we've lost at the hands of, of that particular pandemic which essentially is about loss of contact with others, relationships, community, the things that bring colour and meaning to our lives. So in all the different aspects of remembering today, it seems it's the loss of those sort of things that, that matter to us most. It's, it's the loss of those things that we ultimately lament. And that's why I thought it might be good just to dive into this little section from John's Gospel, because that's right where it goes. Jesus' friends are being smacked round the chops with the news that his death is imminent, that he's going to be leaving them. And it feels premature, and they don't get it, and they're worried for him, and they're anxious about themselves. They're just wondering what on earth is going to happen. Their lives have been thrown into the washing machine and it's been set on fast spin. And inevitably when that happens, they, they begin to focus in, to home in on what they are going to lose, which is, is naturally where our focus can land when we engage in remembering in this way. We recall what has been lost. And Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't criticise his friends for that any more than he does us. But he does invite us to remember more than just the things that we have lost. This, this reading from John's Gospel, John 14, it's part of a longer section in John's Gospel that is sometimes known as the farewell discourse. A goodbye chat, if you like, Jesus' long farewell, his long goodbye. And, and it set me thinking about that word, goodbye. It's, it's a word that we use quite freely a lot of the time. It's a little signal to... to to mark our departure and say, I'm off now, but often with, the, with the, the gentle but hopeful subtext of, I hope to see you soon. And I guess that's why it's, it's such an emotionally laden word when we think about, I guess, what we might call the ultimate goodbye of death. 
because that becomes a goodbye that seems a little too final. It's a recognition that there isn't going to be a seeing this person again anytime soon. And, and as I was mulling over this word goodbye, it, it took me back to something that I read a few weeks ago about, about this little word goodbye. Because even though this is the goodbye section of John's Gospel, if you like, apparently nowhere in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, nobody actually says the word goodbye. And on one level, there's a good reason for that, because the word itself, goodbye, actually evolved in the 16th century as a contraction of the phrase, God be with you. I thought that was pretty cool. God be with you. Goodbye. But for centuries, when people were departing, they didn't just say, I'm leaving, in a sort of informational sort of way. It was more like a prayer. It was a helpful, heartfelt, sorry, heartfelt wish. A benediction, if you like, an invocation. It's like, while I cannot be with you, may God be with you. I came across this lovely story attached to that. About 150 years ago, there's a, a hymn writer called Jeremiah Rankin. And when he learned about the development of the word goodbye, he actually wrote this lovely old, old hymn called God Be With You Till We Meet Again. And it included this line, by his counsel's guide uphold you, with his sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. And he wrote it so that every work, every week, sorry, in the little church that he used to go to, um, people could leave of a Sunday and they would sing these words over each other. By his counsel's guide uphold you, with his sheep securely fold you, God be with you till we meet again. And, and it gained momentum, it, and it was so powerful that actually when World War I came along, they would put those words on a postcard and send them off with soldiers when they had to travel overseas and, and face battle and, and with the real likelihood, the real prospect of death. God be with you. And that pretty much is the message that Jesus is giving his disciples in this farewell discourse in, in these chapters in John. He's telling them, yeah, I'm going, and that's going to cause you pain. You're going to have to confront the loss of that, but I don't want you just to remember the loss. I want you to remember to hold on to the promise that God, that I, will be with you. And because Jesus knows that we need a bit of help unsticking ourselves from just focusing on the loss, he says, look, I will give you the Spirit. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And he will remind you. He will help you in the act of remembrance, if you like. He will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Yes, I'm going. But he will remind you that I promised, that I promise I will not leave you as orphans, as one without a parent. He will remind you that I don't give as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. He will remind you who I am and what I have promised I will do. So with Jesus, we don't say goodbye. We say, God be with you. Even when things look like they've gone hideously sideways, or perhaps especially then. It's perhaps in our, our darkest moments that we're 
reminded to remember, to move from loss to the cross, to recall that God really does bring good stuff out of seemingly appalling things, that he redeems suffering, and that there's an absolutely fundamental reason that there is a cross and a saviour on the cross at the centre of our our world's messy, conflict-ridden story. Because what looked like the end of his story was really the beginning of a much greater story. What looked like the worst thing was actually really the best thing. What looked like the saddest goodbye in the world was actually two days later the most joyful hello in human history. So whatever loss that you may recall today, and it's right to, to mark that loss and to mourn it and lament it. But I also encourage you to remember that the word goodbye is not in the Bible. God be with you is shot through every page, right up to the last few lines in Revelation, where there is a little word that often comes when something reaches its end. It's the little word that we put at the back end of our prayers. It's the word Amen. That unique word that they've struggled to translate from the Aramaic, so they leave it as it is. It's yes, a yes on steroids, if you like. It's the glorious affirmation that God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus. It's when we affirm something with everything that we've got, our whole selves, that this is how we want things to be. Amen. And it comes at the end because it's the Christian way of saying that, okay, whatever our past losses when we look back, whatever pain that we are going through, there is an amen to come that pulls us forward, that directs our gaze to the future, forward to the hope to which we have been called. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be known. And it's the very last word in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the future we remember to make sense of the past. Here it is. Let me read it for you. It's from Revelation 21, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen.